0: Welcome to the Ezra Hour, more or less, to episode two! Oh my god, I'm so excited. Uh, I cannot tell you uh, how excited I am, but I just did. I'm really excited. Anyway, um, so, way back in the fall of 2016... Um, there was a little known series that came out on, uh, Facebook and it was called Meet the Musicians with Ezra Lip. That's my name. It was my series. It was short lived. Um, what it was, was some video interviews uh, I did with some musician friends of, of mine, um, not dissimilar from the Ezra Lip hour, more or less. Uh however, it was a little different as it was it was a video format and not an audio format. Um so I did about four of those and uh you know, they were cool. Um they were they were they were fun and they were short. They certainly weren't uh near the length of uh some of these interviews that I've been doing. Um these are certainly more in depth interviews than the Meet the Musician series. Um, and then, uh, and then what happened was I kind of shelved, I shelved that project for a while and I wasn't, I didn't really know if I was going to come back to it or not. And, uh, basically, even though I had fun doing it and, and felt like I got a a good response, um, it, it was just, uh, particularly there was so many factors that, that were challenging for me. There was, um, first of all, the, the video editing and getting it with the sound, um, and, uh, that whole thing, which take is pretty time consuming. Um, and then there was just limitations of, okay, so I have to be in the same place with a person. And, and kind of the idea was that I would just do it in green rooms of, of, before I'd play a show with somebody, I would interview them, but then time is a, uh, is a constraint and location is a constraint. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you have to have a quiet place. Um to do it, and lighting needs to be right, and nobody else can really be around, or else you're gonna hear all this noise and anyway, it was a lot to um it was a lot to maintain, and i kinda I kind of shelved the project because of that until uh recently when i um had the idea to make this podcast, and it just seemed a lot more uh durable of an idea because okay, so here it's just doing audio, which is the editing while still time-consuming, far less than editing uh, audio with video. Um, It's not location-bound, so there's musicians that uh, I want to talk to, there's people I want to talk to, we get on Skype, I record the call, bada-bing, bada-boom, there's a great interview, in theory. Uh, So that's great, I I can connect with a lot more people, I can do it at my own home, I can do it at somebody else's home, you know, um, It just, it just, and and I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts a lot. So I, of course, was like, yes, I should have my own podcast, naturally. Um, So anyway, so that's what happened. So this podcast kind of is the natural evolution of of something I was getting at, at the Meet the Musicians with Ezra Lip, which was always a working title. And I, I noted that. However, why am I telling you this story? There I have today the lost me, the musicians interview with the one and only Mr. Melvin seals. Uh, so yeah, Melvin seals, who was the organ player, uh, most best known as the organ player in the Jerry Garcia band from about, I believe 1979, maybe 1980, uh, up until Jerry's, uh, passing in 1995. And, uh, before that he had played with, uh, such greats as Elvin Bishop, and we get into that history a little bit in this interview, and then um, up uh, and then up until the present, he also leads JGB, which um, essentially became the the modern day incarnation of the Jerry Garcia Band post Jerry, uh, and he's been doing that for I, I think at this point longer than he was in the Jerry Garcia Band, which was which was he was actually the longest member besides Jerry and John Kahn, the bass player. So this interview was recorded in October or maybe the end of September of 2016. Uh, I actually had a... I got to fill in uh, on drums for JGB a few times last year um, and maybe this year a little bit too um, for the great drummer Pete Lavazzoli, who uh, had, a, had an injury and... Um, and it was an honor to do so. Uh, so we recorded this interview backstage at Terrapin Crossroads, getting ready to go on on um, after, uh, on the second night of a two-night run there. And, uh, and yeah, so you're going to hear me say, you know, welcome to Meet the Musicians. You know, originally this interview was filmed, but, uh, you know, as I said, there were problems um, with the editing. And, and anyway, it, it seems like it makes the most sense to release it as an audio file. So because it was backstage, uh, the Terrapin Crossroads gray room and the green room, it's pretty much the green room is essentially outside. Uh, It's it's a room, but it's 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 kind of outside. So the reason I say that is because the audio I I recognize is not it sounds kind of weird on this. I did my best to clean it up, um, but there was there was a ton of background noise. There's people walking in and out. There's cars in the background. Uh, I cleaned it up so you could hear um, the speaking uh, fairly well. However, there is slightly like a weird underwater effect. So I apologize for that. Uh, again, all this stuff about the podcast, all the technical things, everything will get better. But that's something you should just be aware of, and I'm aware it sounds weird. But I think I think it still is the best it could be, and I think it still came out pretty good. Thanks, Melvin, for being so patient. Uh, you probably... Um, didn't even think this would ever come out, but here it is and and it was such so great to sit with you again if you're listening to this and, and playing uh, the shows this year it was really fun. Uh, I'm sure we'll do more. Anyway, without further ado, I bring you episode 2 Melvin Seals. Please enjoy. Hey Melvin Seals. Hey, how's, how's it going, going to see you.
1: My pleasure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> welcome to uh, Meet the Musicians with Ezra Lip. Uh, this is a new video podcast I've been doing. Yeah. And uh, uh, we are so excited and honored to have you have you here with us tonight. Well, thank the, you, the royal us. <laughs> yes, thank, you. thank um, you. Yeah. So let's let's just let's just dive in. So um, you've been you've been doing this music thing for a long time. I understand. A real long time. Yes. 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 So born in San Francisco. Born in Richmond, California, okay. pretty much raised in San Francisco. Okay, yeah. and uh, and where did you where 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 did you start playing music? Where was you know where did that develop for you?
1: Well, it started in church, you know, same familiar story. And, uh,
0: I was raised in a Baptist
1: church, and my father was part of the choir director and and one of the musicians, and you know, played for the church. At some point at an early age, I think probably around five or six, all of, all of a sudden I got got it. It's like I'm listening to the music
0: and listening to the piano
1: and the organ, and it just clicked in. I want to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then did you immediately, uh, you had access to organ at, at church and you you could start playing right away? Or?
1: Well, we had a piano. We had an old upright piano in the house, north. Right. Okay. Oregon came a lot later. Okay. And so, you know, I would after school come home and just sit and try and play things, you know, just try and play things that I heard you know, on the radio and in church, the songs they we were playing in church. So started kind of by air first.
0: Okay. Yeah. Did you have uh, were you always self taught or did you end up having more instruction or just what my father involved for you?
1: When he saw that I had interest in playing, he took me to a teacher, a guy named Mr. Dees that lived in our area. And of course, it was the right thing to do, but I didn't receive it very well because I wanted to play what I was hearing. And I was starting to kind of find those chords and, you know, find the rhythm. And then the moment you go to um, take lessons, they start teaching you from the book yeah correct fingering and da da, da 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 you know a little bach beethoven whatever who wrote those songs and i was so far advanced from that sure sure you know yeah that i that i wanted to play not that yeah you yep. know but i took it long enough to read some notes and then i just stopped and just finished by ear
0: yeah yeah, and you feel that was that was the right move for you?
1: Yeah, well, we, when I when I stopped, I was able to read the class and stuff, but slowly, not fluently, mm-hmm. but just read. I knew where you know season, middle and everything was, and I learned I learned some things, but um, I didn't know. It's always a good thing to learn as much as you can. Sure. Education is very good. Yeah, but to this day, I never needed it. Okay, yeah. What I did learn on my own is chord progressions, which mm-hmm. I needed more in life. Yeah. Most people write a chart, they write, it wasn't music, it was more so chord progressions. Yeah. Sure. And I've learned that, and that's what I followed, and that, that's where I had to pull that rabbit out of my hat many times. So I never really needed what he wanted to teach me, although I would never knock uh, someone that wants to learn music. It's good to know all of that. Sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. So how did that, so how did you go from. You know, you're growing up, you're, you're playing, you're learning music, you're playing uh, in church, and then how do you get into playing rock and roll? You played with Elvin Bishop, I understand. Yes. Uh, eventually joined the Jerry Garcia bands. Yeah. So how did, how did that evolution happen?
1: Well, um, going back to the church, um, uh, when I was really getting pretty good on the piano, first I started on piano. And then somewhere along the line, I heard the organ, like I'd never heard it before, and I wanted to play organ. Then I started seeking out great organ players. Mm -hmm. And most of the players, Jimmy Smith, Shirley Scott, Johnny Hammond, all these people that played jazz, they were just too fast for me. They were so so far from that. But there was one guy that came out of the church that was ahead of me, but I understood it. I understood Mm -hmm. his playing. Yeah. And, and I came out kind of probably playing a lot like that. And that was Billy Preston. Okay. You guys remember Billy Preston? He yeah. played in the church just like I did James Cleveland and all that. And then, of course, he got started at an early age, uh, real early age. Uh, Nat King Cole and a lot of folks he played with. But he yes. had that rock gospel style. Yeah. You know, he didn't right. do the jazz like the guy yeah, did. Yeah, he yeah. had that style that I was easier to adapt to because I walk the same walk mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so I said oh that's what he's doing and everybody's using this guy and I can do that and so I studied him, studied him and you know uh, and got a lot of that style but I did like a fair amount of the jazz too so I also kept my ears on Shirley Scott and Johnny Hammond and uh, Jimmy Smith and all the great you know and then whenever there was just a great organ solo on a record that I was able to get a copy of, I just study it. There was one uh, solo that blew my mind on an album. And I don't even know the name of the group, but the song was Hold Your Head High. or okay, oh, Hold Your Head Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's an organ solo oh, in that it's song in that uh, was amazing. So, you know, I started seeking out uh, souls that were in the midst of songs and listening to the guys and just broadened my style. Yeah. Then um, from high school, I was, you know, in high school and playing with the choir and, and fooling around with the band. Uh, uh, out of school, I got with uh, a, a band, a guy named Gideon Power. You may not have ever heard of him, but he had a, uh, he had a pretty cute, your style and he was signed with bell records a major label you know and actually his manager this is this is the food for thought his manager was wally amos you may know wally amos as famous amos Cookie. oh before he discovered that cookie he was a real he was ah. a, a cookie manager interesting and so he managed uh getting in power and a few other people and and it took him down the drains, and he went and found some cookies, and yeah, <laughs> and that, and that, success, nice, yeah, wonderful. Word. Uh, but from that, so out of school, um, I played in a few, you know, house, Gorge House band. You know, you rehearse all year and get one gig, and you think you did something, and you made fifty dollars, and whoa, man, I am on the big time now. Yeah, I did a lot of that. Yeah, right. sure, sure. My first professional gig actually was Broadway plays. Okay. So I, I did the band you know, out of school for a while and uh, got the opportunity to do uh, the first Broadway play was Evolution of the Blues with John Hendricks, Landrick Hendricks and Ross, joined a Musician Union and was in that play for six, seven years. And I've done several other uh, nice Broadway plays after that. But that's where Elvin Bishop saw me. He came to Evolution of the Blues one night. And saw me, and uh, he wanted me to record that record with him. They would have gone on the road doing a live recording. And so I was just supposed to uh, go out and and do this recording. And after we went and did the recording, I was just a member of the band. They never never said that. They just kept buying my airline ticket. I kept going. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That went on for a good seven, eight years. And that was right after his hit, Fool Around, fell in love. Did you record? I recorded the live version, not the studio version. It was already done but he was doing major concerts and you know, filling out big rooms. Right. And so that's, that's what he wanted. They were going to do a live version of that song and that's when I went on the road and we wind up doing a double live uh, record called Raising Hell with Elvin Bishop and then uh, live version of mine. I was with him six, seven years. And um, here's a story that kind of led into Jerry Garcia. So we played in San Diego uh, one night my friend Merle Saunders was playing with Jerry at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Jerry. Didn't I? just I knew Merle and I knew yeah. he was playing with a rock band, but I knew who he was. And uh, I never saw Jerry, he never came out the dressing room, but he was there. And so uh, I we opened up, Elvin Bishop opened up and then we left and then Jerry uh, came out. So I never saw him. But Jerry told me a story that was unbelievable. He asked he asked the people in his his, uh, band or him that time, who was that on the organ? He asked who I was. Hmm. And it's ironic, when I met him for the first time, he told me that story. He says, I've heard you before. Yeah. And he told me exactly where and when. And it blew my mind that he was paying attention to what I was doing, what else. Never met him, never said nothing. And this is years later. Right, right. But it, it did happen. In yeah. But how it got to Jerry, I hope I'm not talking too much. No, to you. This, this, is okay. this is great. This uh, is great. after Elvin Elvin was friends with Maria Motower, they were doing some things together. Mm-hmm. Then I started doing some work with Maria. Mm-hmm. That's the lady of course, Midnight at the Oasis, as we all know. Uh, she was doing some gospel things with the Mighty Clouds of Joy and they brought me in to do some uh, playing on the albums. But her boyfriend was John Conn. Okay. Which was Jerry's long life, for him, was yeah. Your, and, so Don and the,
0: the basis for the Jerry Garcia band, yeah, and the basis yeah. for the Jerry Garcia
1: band. So when the, we couldn't get, uh, you know, our bass player from from gig to gig, John would sit in. John was paying attention to me and asked me one day, uh, "Would I be interested in playing with another band?" He never told me who the band was. <laughs> <but> nothing. <laughs> And you know, as a musician, sure, man, yeah. you know go say yes. You yeah. you keep doors open. Yeah. One day he called me and said, Hey, uh, uh, can you make a rehearsal with this Friday evening? you? Know? Uh, that band I was talking about, we wanna kinda rehearse and we got a couple of things we probably can do. And uh, yeah, so it was it was the rehearsal was front street at that time mm-hmm. where the Grateful Dead and uh, they had all their things. So I got there early. Trying to make a good impression. I was, we got there before. And,
0: and at this point, did you know this is the Jerry Garcia band? No,
1: no, no, I was going. John gave me an address, told me what we time to be there. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. Had no idea what was going on, and and, and for a good while I didn't have a good idea. So anyhow, I get there first. You know, I want to be on time and show sure a good impression. And they all came in around the same time. John, Kahn Jerry, Gregor, Rico who was on drums at that time, and. The singers and Steve Parris, they all kind of walk in. I was already in. But let me go back and tell you a little weird story. Okay, You may have heard it before. Now, being a church boy, you know, gospel, church, and living the life, and walking into Front Street kind of freaked me out because they had all these logos that was all skeletons. Mm. I don't know nothing about the scene. You have to understand that. I know nothing about the scene. I'm walking in. I'm seeing a skeleton with a violin in his hand. Skeleton of a rose. A skeleton, and 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 now I'm not trying to say anything bad, but I start thinking of the cult of what happened with Jim Jones, and I'm wondering what in the is this. You think it's some satanic? Yeah, thing? yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the scene. Yeah, and I'm up here all these, and then there's like. Hundred dollar bills on the table, rolled up. I don't know nothing <laughs> about this stuff. I look at the hundred dollar bill though, but I not tell you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So they all come in. They all come in at the same time, and you know how when you meet several people, this short term memory, you really don't get the name. Yeah. Coming, hey, I'm John. Hey, I'm Jerry. Hey, I'm Greg. I'm, I'm Steve. Hey, I'm Greg. I'm. Little. Hey, Greg. Hey, don't need to meet them. You don't. Lie. Five minutes later, I couldn't tell you nothing. It was short term memory. So the guy on the guitar, uh, which was Jerry at the time, says, let's let's go and uh, let's rehearse. We did How Sweet It Is, some stuff that I would know, and everybody would know. I think a couple of Motown songs, How Sweet It Is. And we did Second Out of Motion, I believe, Mm -hmm. which I knew. And then he said, yep, 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 that's what I want. That's what I want. Nice. Then they all go in individual rooms for a few minutes. I don't know what happened. Where they were going, what the. I went back to the lobby, but they went in these rooms. Then they come out. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that was good, you know. And and, uh, and so I say to the guy on the guitar, "Man, you play some pretty good guitar." Yeah, pretty good guitar. And everybody just busts up laughing because <laughs> they know I don't have a clue. Yeah. nothing. yeah. And they didn't tell me nothing. And so the guy on the guitar said, "We can play some pretty good organ," you know. Yeah, hey, great, you know. So. It was said that that he liked what happened, and we were going to do these gigs. And the first gigs were the Keystone in San Francisco and Keystone Berkeley. And of course, it went on from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But that's how I
0: got there. So, uh, and then when you finally started to put it all together, you're like, "Wow, this guy! This is a really big deal. Like, this is you know, this is a guy from a famous band. Was it? Did, you know, how how did that settle for you?"
1: I didn't put it together for a good while. I think I I didn't put it together. As a matter of fact, they um, I wouldn't even bring my organ and piano out because I was a little afraid of the situation. I didn't know what was going on, you know. You know, and uh, so they would rent from Sir organ and piano Mm -hmm. for me, and and it took uh, quite a few gigs. I didn't even know he was the guy of the Grateful Dead. I just learned his name. This is Jerry Garcia. Oh, okay. Because I knew the name Grateful Dead, but I didn't know the members.
0: Right. Sure. You know, I just, you know. And, and did you have any idea what the music even sounded like? Had you heard I knew Rachel's it was psychedelic okay. and all that. And this was not quite that.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. So it was a little bit more Motown, more soulful, you know. and Then, of course, I brought the gospel flair to
0: it. Yeah. You know, which they like. Yeah. Was it different for you? So Jerry Garcia, man... As everyone knows, it is more soulful, it is more gospel, but there still is, uh, you know, extended improv, you know, yes. long guitar solos, long organ solos, and then another long guitar solo. Was that, was that uh, different for you to, to adapt to? Had you... Was, something.
1: Well, if you paid any attention to what I did, I didn't play long solos. Sure, okay. Jerry played long solos and I did two times around and gave it back to Jerry right. almost every time. But, I
0: never stretched out. Sure. Well, not yeah, but but the the forms would would stretch. The forms out. Was, yeah, yeah, the
1: forms would stretch out and he did a lot of playing I I comp with him very well, but mm-hmm. I didn't I never stretched out.
0: Yeah. And was that uh was that okay for you, you know, going around 10 different times like was that a new experience or?
1: Well, I I had to learn something with uh, that organization and that style of music. Coming from R and B music and gospel and a lot of the music that I play, they dot their eyes and cross their T's. What I mean by that, you know, when an accent was coming or a break or something like that, we would bend over backwards to make sure we all hit it at the same time, and make it tight. Yeah. I'm in this band. And these are all great musicians, and we wasn't hitting all at the same time. Yeah. And I was frustrated, like, come on, what's this, what, what is this crap, you know? And we were all off, and they fumbled on it, <laughs> they on yeah. the whole simple thing, and and, and it was accepted. Yeah. I couldn't understand that.
0: Yeah. I just took a while for me to friggin'... Was that a lack of preparation and rehearsal, or what, what do you think? I,
1: I, it wasn't about how tight it was, it was about the, the heart. Uh, yeah. What uh, leaves the heart reach the heart. Yeah, that's something different than that. I yeah, I was more technically taught to play tight and right, and, and you know, and, and get in the groove. This was a thing all about. It could be loose and tacky as it wanted to be, but if it's if it's played right. Yeah. And
0: and that's what the crowd was really going for. That's what they were wanting. Yeah,
1: Jerry's got the biggest uh, applause when he made a mistake. You make a mistake, and they're like, ah,
0: did you hear that? You see that humanity, you know, (laughs) I think people like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had to learn this was a different style of music, and it's not about how tight you are and how, you know, great you are. It's about a feeling that you give off. you know, and it took me a while to get that, but I got it now. Yeah, sure. Oh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So so, you joined the Jerry Garcia band, and you had the uh, besides Jerry Garcia and John Kahn, you had the longest tenure. You played fifteen out of the twenty years, right? Nineteen eighty to ninety-five. I
1: think I was with him seventeen
0: years. Seventeen years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then when that ended, um, you you obviously started JGB, which which is your band now. Yeah. Now, how did that? How did you? How did you make that decision to do that, to continue that music and continue that band after Jerry's passing?
1: Well, it wasn't quite me just starting JGB, even though I winded up there. It was John Conn, uh, initially. Right. John Conn, uh, after six months, seven months of Jerry passing, uh, got, to, got a gig in Santa Cruz called called I think it's still called Palookaville. And uh, he called everybody and acted, we want to go do a the surviving members it with Jerry at the time, with some additional new members. If he wanted to do a gig uh, in uh, Santa Cruz, they all said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they announced a gig with, you know, a John Con band. It wasn't mm-hmm. called. Okay. You know, John yeah. And it sold out, just like Jerry Garcia thing, it sold out so fast they had a second night. Who was on guitar? Uh, who was on the card? I don't remember the guitar player. I don't remember who was on the guitar, to okay. The truth. okay. But what happened that night, this is John Tom's band, I have nothing to do with I'm just playing in the band. Um, it's so loud and, and the folks uh, were hurting but they still want to see the music. Yeah. They still want to live and how, hear the music. How soon after? Uh, this is about seven months after the Jerry's passing. Yeah. Just under a year. And so when we went to do the gig, the thing that John Kahn did, he did songs that Jerry Easley would have done. It wasn't a lot of the Jerry Garcia band songs, but there are songs like if he had had brought a Jerry, oh yeah, he would have did that song, that style. But the mistake I think he made, and whether you call it a mistake or not, uh, he didn't do a lot of the songs that we came out of the band with. So folks were all night... Calling Out song, Lucky Old Song, uh, uh, Stop That Train. You know, they wanted yeah, to hear those yeah, songs. Right. And John didn't do but one or two of those songs. Hmm. And so, when at the end of the night, when I walked out, there was a group of people out there saying, Hey, Melvin, tomorrow the ball night. Are you guys going to do some Jerry Garcia song? I, you know, I so, said, so John Conn, it's not my band, you know. And the second night, again, we did some other stuff and not very many Jerry songs. And so we were going to go on the road as a John Con band. And I think four months after those dates, before we hit the road, John died. Yeah. The booking agency that was going to book him called me, mm. Michael Game, exactly. What it was. And and says he says I think there's some life we can go out and work. And uh, and after seeing what I had heard, you know, John Conn, I was convinced, yeah, we could go out. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to call the band tribute. I'm thinking okay. a tribute to Jerry, tribute to the, the music. Yeah. Michael Gaiman says, "Hey, just call it JGB." Everybody knows who JGB. You don't have to break in a new name. Yeah. And so, before I did that, I ran a title search because the organizations were, they were going after everybody, and I didn't oh. want to go out with JGB and get sued. Yeah, yeah. So I ran a title search and found out that uh, the name. Was uh, originally uh, um, out of New York with a blind organization. A JGB was something that had to do with a blind organization out of New York. Okay. In San Francisco, there was no copyright. So I copyrighted yeah. JGB. Yeah. Just to be safe, not sure. to take anything, just to keep from getting in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course. Folks resisted us going out as JGB because Bill Graham called us JGB, everything, if it wasn't Jerry Garcia, man, it was JGB. There was a lot of resistance of us using that name. Wait, Bill wasn't supportive of it or not? Uh, well, Bill had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying that the, the powers that be didn't like yeah, us. Well, Bill was a yeah, 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 I'm yeah, talking about yeah. some of the Grateful Dead organization, guys that run the scene. It was yeah. too close. They didn't like. Yeah. They didn't like, you know, us using that using that name, and a lot of fans didn't like it. Like, you're not JGB, you know. They just there's some that didn't care, but most of them didn't like it, and so we went on two or three years fighting that battle, you know, and finally, you know. And but what the, what what happened? What would really happen? We the band was JGB, but promoters put up on the billboard Jerry Garcia. That was just wrong. Yeah. It was just wrong. That's not sure. what we were calling So But yeah. they just put Jerry Garcia in the hand tonight. Yeah. And that just got ugly. Yeah. So I decided to say, so well, let me stick my name in front of JGB right. to let them know this is different yeah. from what that was. So yeah. That's when I started calling it Melbourne Seals and JGB. So you would understand. I'm not trying to. We're not that. Yeah. Totally. totally. At that point, things were lightening up and, you know, um, People didn't really care anymore at that point, and mm-hmm. we went on about our lives. Mm-hmm. So I kind of saw from John's mistake that the folks still wanted to hear this music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I
0: said, Well, let's go out and, and do this. Yeah, and here we are it's over 20 years later after <laughs> Jerry died, and people are still. Uh, want to hear this
1: music? Still want to? Um, I thought for sure, you know, in time the music would die. Now I know it will never die. Yeah, it, it's never going to yeah. It's growing. Yeah. So
0: that's yeah. excellent. I want to. I want to ask one more question. I want to be cognizant. We got a show to play in a few minutes. Yeah. And, but uh, so you've been playing this this material. The, it's a big catalog, but you know these these Jerry songs are the Jerry Garcia Band catalog, JGB catalog, almost thirty years. Different different people along the way, but yeah. what what keeps it what keeps it fresh for you? What keeps it meaningful and exciting, so you can go out every night and, and still do it and, and have it have it be vibrant and fun? You know that people want to keep coming back and seeing it. What do you think that is?
1: Well, the improvs are something that is not scripted. Every night it's something different. Same yeah. song, yeah. but it comes across. Sometimes slow, sometimes it's fast. Sometimes we just get into a groove, unbelievable. Sometimes it's horrible. Yeah, uh, It's just never the same. But every now and then I'll take one of the songs and, and do something to it and make it interesting. Yeah. Jerry didn't do that. I just, just do something to it. And uh, that kicks in a new life and it makes us want to do that song as much as possible, as much as possible, you know, until, it, until it gets old. And then I find something else and rearrange something and, you know, so I, I try to throw a, a monkey wrench in it every now and then to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but the music is just good by itself. I yeah. love it. When, I love it when we play a uh, song and it's right. I know it's right because I've sat on the stage with the man for all these years. And there's some sometimes, like, oh my god, I have to remember that's not Jerry over there. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, the vibe is right, even though this is not uh, the original background singers. <laughs> Sometimes it's much better than the original background singing. Yeah. It gets really good. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I get chills myself. So uh, that's a drive that I, I love to play for and look for every time you get a chance to play.
0: Excellent. And, and I'm I'm very honored to get to do these couple nights with you. So thanks I'm for honored, having me. I'm honored that you're doing it with us. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. A, again, another drive
0: that I didn't see coming. <laughs> and And I'm loving it. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for your time and, and Melvin seals. Thanks for being on the show and uh, Thank you. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. very much. All right. And there you have it. That's me talking to Melvin seals on camera last fall. Uh, the shows were great. And if anyone cares, um, yeah, I killed it. Let's just be honest. Um, no, just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, I I did, I think I think I did good, but I, you know, I'm I'm kidding about the arrogance. Uh anyway, so yeah, that's that's I don't. There's not much more to say about that one. I think Melvin uh, gave some great stories there. I particularly uh, was tickled by the thinking that the cult uh, of of the Garcia in the Grateful Dead symbol. Uh, being a cult uh, symbol that was uh, some some rich stuff there so thanks for sharing that Melvin and I will see you next episode coming out in just about a week Um, thanks so much for tuning in I'm having fun doing this please feel free to leave a review on iTunes at any point that you decide you like the podcast subscribe subscribe and let me know what else you want to see of the podcast. It's, the format is, is very open at this point. Uh, I intend to have more interviews with musicians, naturally, and have more coming down the pipeline that I've recorded. But uh, it doesn't it doesn't have to stick with that. So um, feel free to chime in on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm not, not that active on Twitter, but um, hopefully that will change at some point. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, you can email me at the Ezra Lip hour at gmail.com uh, and uh, through my website and all that all that good stuff um, it's really easy to find me so I'd love to hear your thoughts and until next time thanks for tuning in and I will see you later have a great